Hey everybody, this is Clover Chat, brought to you by the University of Minnesota Extension and the Minnesota 4-H State Ambassadors. We have started this podcast to showcase all the great things 4-H has to offer. Our podcast will include stories from Minnesota 4-H members, information about 4-H opportunities, and we will also hear from some 4-H experts. Hello, and welcome to Clover Chat. My name is Victoria, and I'm a Minnesota 4-H State Ambassador. On today's episode, we are sharing an episode from the University of Minnesota Extension Youth Development Podcast called Youth Talk About Gender Identity. You'll be hearing from myself and a fellow State Ambassador, Rachel, and how we created a program called Let's Talk About Gender Identity for youth to learn how to be better allies. We were able to do this with the guidance of our Extension educators, Joe Rand and Diana Kennedy. The State Ambassadors are excited to invite you to our State 4-H Conference, Youth Exploring Leadership and Learning Opportunities, also known as YELLOW. YELLOW is for youth in grades 7 and up and provides youth the chance to participate in small group activities, service projects, destination explorations, and social activities. This year, YELLOW will take place at Bemidji State University, June 14th to 17th. To learn more about Yellow and to register, visit z.umn.edu slash 4hyellow. How can young people learn to be better allies for their LGBTQ peers and ensure safe places for everyone to participate in our programs? This is the University of Minnesota Extension Center for Youth Development podcast series, I'm Carrie Rabideau, she, her, an extension educator. In this podcast, we're going to learn about a youth-led initiative that created a program called Let's Talk About Gender Identity for youth to learn to be better allies for their friends and peers. Joining me for our conversation today, I have four guests that I would like to introduce. First, Joe Rand, who is an extension educator and director of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility for the Center for Youth Development. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Carrie. Excited to be back. We also have Diana Kennedy. She's an extension educator in Nicollet County, which is a rural southern Minnesota county. Thank you for joining us, Diana. Thanks for having us, Carrie. And we have two young people joining us this evening who also happen to be 4-H state ambassadors, Victoria. Hi, I'm super happy to be here. And Rachel. It's great to be here today, Carrie. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to discuss the Let's Talk About Gender Identity program, including how the program got started, what was involved in the development, how it was implemented, and then finally, we'll hear about the impacts of the first series of programs that have been offered and learn about what's coming next. Can you start by walking us through the development of this program? How did it get started? Thanks, Carrie. I'm Rachel. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns, and I've been a youth leader in 4-H for several years. I originally saw a need for this program when I saw other youth leaders who were trained in working with youth struggle when it came to working with issues relating to LGBTQ youth being discriminated against. One of the very first youth leaders who got involved was my friend Victoria. I'm Victoria. I use she, her pronouns, and I am currently in 12th grade in high school. 
And Rachel and I met through a program called Let's Talk About Race. And they reached out to me and were like, hey, I have this super awesome program that I want to possibly run and this idea for it. And so I jumped on the first meeting that we had. This is super important to me because a lot of my friends and people who are close to me are part of this LGBTQ plus community. And in my high school, I see a lot of exclusion and bullying that happens from it. So this is a small step I can take to start to improve that in my community around me. So that's when I got pulled in. My name's Diana Kennedy. I use she, her pronouns. And as an extension educator, um, I was in a position where I had been aware of what was going on with the Let's Talk About Race series. And my colleague, Michaela Frey from Candy, Ojai County, called me up and said, Rachel and Victoria really want to carry this work forward and create a Let's Talk About Gender Identity series. Although that was not the original name. It took us a while to get to a good name for this one. Um, So then we started talking about what that might look like, and we were using a lot of the model that had been set out um, under the Let's Talk About Race series that was led by Catherine Sharp. So we thought, oh, we need to bring in Joe Rand, because Joe is known in Minnesota 4-H for his work on LGBTQ issues at the statewide level and also on a national extension level. And so that's how I got involved. This is Joe, he, him pronouns, and I do uh, research around LGBTQ plus youth and inclusion, Um, and so I was really excited about the opportunity to work with these folks on this project in order to make sure it was sustainable and that we were doing it the right way, and the research supports the need that you have heard Rachel and Victoria talk about. And so that's part of why this became so important to lift up and move forward. Um, We know that young people cope and do better when they can identify trusted adults. Um, But also we know by looking at the research that they are looking for spaces where they can engage with their peers in an authentic way. That's especially true for the LGBTQ plus community. And more recent research by the Trevor Project indicated that LGBTQ youth said a virtual safe space was really important to them. So here we are. So truly youth identified and then youth-led program. Let's move into the program implementation. Let's talk more about the program itself, how it went, and including the impacts that you've identified from evaluation work that you've done. We created this program so that young people would feel like they had a place where they could talk to each other, connect with other youth with similar life experience, and learn how to be supportive allies towards their friends. An important part of this program for me has always been creating a safe place for LGBTQ plus youth within 4-H. Part of what makes this program really special is it's designed for LGBTQ youth and their allies to be in this space together. It's really to create an environment where we're all creating that safe space together. In order to make sure that this was a high quality and sustainable program, we were really thorough in the way that we developed it. First, we identified what was really important for young people to learn when they came together. And from there, we created lessons and we developed the five session series. We then got peer review from our colleagues to find out if we were headed in the right direction and what needed tweaks. And then we actually piloted the program with some 
youth that were friends of ours in order to get feedback and to make adjustments to improve the program before a full launch. And we'll continue to make those adjustments as we go. We did have our first launch of the program this winter. I am going to let Rachel and Victoria and Diana walk you through the five sessions. So as Joe said, we had five sessions. Each session was an hour and a half long. For this program, we did them over the weeknights because that's what we determined was the best nights for us as a group. And we really wanted to make sure that it was only an hour and a half because as a high schooler going to school and then coming to do more learning on a computer can be super hard. And so we decided an hour and a half was the perfect amount of attention we had after a long school day. For our first session, we looked at different cultures and histories and where the LGBTQ plus community fits into those with with some super fun interactive activities. And we did a Kahoot where we got to guess whether or not facts were true or guess numbers, which is a super fun thing. I've done it like three times now and I still don't have it a hundred percent. So I'm still learning new things every time. For our second session, we looked at some more facts and statistics, which is my personal favorite is just the actual numbers to prove what we are trying to teach with this. And we use something called a gender unicorn, which is a really great visual way to look at how you identify as different things. Cause we wanted to make sure that people could not only be a good ally, but learn more about their identity and themselves through this program. Those first two sessions not only sound informative, but you're describing them as fun and interesting and engaging for the young people. But I have to circle back just for a moment in case someone doesn't fully understand what the gender unicorn is. Can you describe that for us? So the gender unicorn is a model that was developed by trans student educational resources by a trans person. And it shows the picture of a unicorn, but then it talks about all the different areas of gender identity and gender expression and sexual orientation. So it's a model that goes beyond our traditional definitions of gender identity as male and female and helps people understand that there are multiple genders and the way that we express ourselves to the world is our gender expression. And that might be what we know as typically masculine or feminine, but it might be something different and that's okay. It's a really visual and clever tool to kind of unpack the LGBTQ parts, right? And see where we are on those spectrums. Thank you for providing that deeper understanding of that tool that you used. So Victoria described for us what session one and two were all about. What happens in session three? For session three, we had a panel of LGBTQ plus 4-H alumni who came back and talked to our youth about their experiences in 4-H and their experiences in the world in general. And the youth had a really great time interacting with them and asking them questions. And afterwards, we heard that a lot of the youth related to the stories that the alumni had told. Then we moved on to the fourth session, which is my personal favorite. It's a session where we really start talking about how to address discrimination when we hear it. And it's a tool that I use all the time with my daughters um, who are children of gay parents in a rural town. And it's actually a tool that I used with one of the alumni's mothers when she was asking me for some advice on how to address some stuff that was coming up for her. So it's a tool that comes out of the learning of justice 
which is from our friends at the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it's called Speak Up at School is really the toolkit that we've modeled this after. Um, and it's how to respond to everyday justice, bias, and stereotypes. So you walk through four steps, right? Like, how do you interrupt discrimination? How do you question discrimination? How do you echo, tell people hear their own discrimination? And how do you educate people? We did it in a really fun and interactive scenario setting so that we could all really sink into those tools and practice so that we're ready when we hear discrimination in the real world and we can really start creating those safe spaces in real time. Then after we did that, um, a week later, we came back together and talked about some practical ways that we could really embed inclusion around LGBTQ youth in our own 4-H programs, right where we are. And we did a world cafe uh, around our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, our threats, more like challenges, and then figured out what we wanted our next steps to be together. And so some of the information that we got was great. And we are working to try and figure out how we can implement some of those things. But we also got a lot of really great evaluation data through that World Cafe, actually, because of the sentiments that young people shared. And so they said that through our program, they made a significant connection to another youth they may not have otherwise. And that was one of our outcomes that we hoped for, that they had a new ally, they increased their knowledge, they learned strategies to interrupt harassment and discrimination, that they felt safe, they felt the series was fun, they wanted to invite friends to participate if it happened again. And we decided that we would continue to meet on a regular basis as a group in order to move this work forward and to support the work within the Minnesota 4-H program. Yeah, we even had multiple youth who attended our pilot program come back to do our full program in the winter because they enjoy doing that pilot program so much. We plan to launch the program again this summer, and we already have youth excited to join. And as we continue to do in-person programming, we're hoping to find even more people who are interested in learning to connect with youth from across the state who they may not be able to talk with otherwise. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch what comes out of these multiple series happening, because we already see that there's a lot of youth that really enjoy coming back together just to have a safe space to be. I remember one of the quotes that came out of it was, I've never felt this included in a 4-H activity ever in my time in 4-H. But there's also a group that's kind of forming that really wants to go out and make change and take action and really motivate and move things forward, which is really Rachel and Victoria's style in a lot of ways. So it'll be really interesting to see where they choose to take that action. So something that started as a virtual program has now moved into face-to-face programming, and it continues to grow. Something I'm curious about, however, have you had any challenges or barriers or struggles for those who may be listening and would like to duplicate this program and implement it where they are? What are those challenges? So we were pretty intentional right off the bat because we knew that there would be some barriers that we needed to overcome. And we wanted to make sure that especially staff felt like they had the tools they needed to have some of those conversations that we we knew could be tough for them. Um, and so we developed a set of talking points. Um, we were really upfront about the fact that this program was created by young people and, and it addressed a need that they expressed, but also that 
like we've been talking about, the research backs that up and, and shows us that, yeah, this is programming we need to be doing because these young people are a part of our program. Um, and so we need to make sure that they have a space where they feel like they can engage authentically and, and safely. I think one of the interesting things, too, about this program is that, you know, throughout COVID, being virtual has been such a barrier for all of us doing youth development work. It's been such a pain and it's really made some of our programs really struggle. But ironically, in this particular series, it's been a huge asset. So as we're sort of getting the word out slowly, word of mouth, maybe not over the head promotion, um, we're finding those LGBTQ youth that are isolated in places, or we're finding their allies, and they might not have enough at the county level, which is our 4-H structure, to do this program or to run this program, or they might not have the leadership in that county to take this kind of program on, but we were able to throw the net out statewide and pick up one or two from around an entire state of Minnesota and put them in a virtual setting together and have them connect. And so it's a challenge, but it's also been a huge asset for us. On that same note, you know, it's difficult to get them registered. It's difficult when you have an online registration system um, to make sure everybody knows about the program and then knows to go there or gets their parents to go there to register them, which some of these youth may or may not want to be sharing with their parents. And so getting the word out about how to get on to that virtual setting can be a little bit of a barrier. It's a pretty incredible aha moment when the virtual settings that we were forced into become something of an asset for young people to gather together in that online learning community in ways that they maybe wouldn't have found each other before. And you've talked about the support and the education and the experiences that they have been seeking and they were able to find through this program. Yeah, so that is exactly true. As a virtual program, you can put this right into a kid's device. If they can get the Zoom link, they can have this program wherever they are. Or it would really translate well into an in-person program. I'd love to do this in person, but I think libraries could do it. High schools could do it with their Gay-Straight Alliances. I mean, there's a lot of good bits inside this curriculum that can really be, I think, even more impactful in an in-person setting. Thank you, Diana. You really give us some insight for thinking about what's next and how can this program continue. Victoria and Rachel, I'm curious to hear from you. What's next for you with this? You know, as the original innovators of, of this program that you saw a need for this, where do you see this going? The place we're looking to take this next is our statewide youth leadership program called Yellow. We're looking to do a day-long session where we'd focus on the content from Let's Talk About Gender Identity and Let's Talk About Race. We're looking for ways to make our statewide programs more accepting and a safe place for everyone, but also so that they can bring this information back to their county program. So in this day-long program, we're hoping to teach them at least a fraction of what we can teach them in Let's Talk About Gender Identity. And then hopefully they'll want to connect with us again and we can run the program again and teach them even more and calculate that interest that they have and expand the reach of this program. 
We've also had a small group of youth from the first Let's Talk About Gender Identity that have been continuing to meet virtually to support each other in our own personal projects and also to work on our next run of Let's Talk About Gender Identity happening this summer. And we have some youth who participated as students in the first one who hopefully will be able to get involved with the leadership on our next run. I'd also like to mention that as a system, as an organization, Minnesota 4-H has just gone through LGBTQ plus 101 training. So all of our local staff around the state participated in a training that gave them uh, a lot of the same information that is included in this series so that they have the words and they have the language that they need to use when they're working with LGBTQ plus young people and families and within their communities. So really taking this information that was developed for young people, using it to educate adults as well. Yeah, it's it doesn't have to be different. Adults like to have fun and and have interact, you know, have interaction with other people just like young people do. Um, I think that helps them learn in a deeper way and really think about the content and how it affects our young people. This also fits into our broader DEIA initiatives within the Center for Youth Development. You heard at the top of the podcast that I'm the new director for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility within Minnesota 4-H. And so part of that will be to incorporate this work into a broader strategic plan outlining our commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. Because we have staff all over the state and young people all over the state who are doing really important work around different cultures and different identities. Thank you, Joe and Diana, first, for sharing your experience as Extension staff working with this program. But I want to extend very special and heartfelt thank you to Victoria and Rachel for sharing your experiences with first having that idea that you wanted to make 4-H a safer place for all young people and that you took the initiative to seek out the people and the resources that you needed to create a program that both educates and provides skills young people can use to be better allies for LGBTQ plus youth. That is fantastic. Thank you for being a part of this podcast and sharing your experience with us. As we wrap this podcast up, there are a few resources that I want to make sure that I mention. First of all, If you want to know more about the 4-H State Ambassador Program here in Minnesota, one great place that I'd like to point you to is our youth-led podcast series called Clover Chat. I'll put that link in the description. For more information about working with LGBTQ plus youth, I'll also put links to resources that Joe has created that includes prior podcasts that I have done with him. They include blog posts that he has written as well as additional resources that will be helpful. I'll also include the Center for Youth Development Equity, Culture, and Identity website link. Joe is also available as a resource if you would like to talk to him and find out more information after listening to this podcast. As always, we invite you to go to www.extension.umn.edu. That's where you find resources and information about upcoming training on many topics including diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. 
for you all youth development programs that you can participate in. We have in-person as well as online web-based formats. Also, I always like to extend that invitation to our Minnesota 4-H program. Learn more about that program and how young people you know can get involved in this incredible youth leadership program. I also want to mention Let's Talk About Race, which is a program that has been mentioned multiple times throughout this podcast. We have, in episode 57, a podcast about Let's Talk About Race. So I also invite you to go back and listen to that podcast as well. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining this podcast to share your leadership in developing a program where they can learn to be better allies for their LGBTQ plus friends, they can identify supportive adults, and make connections with other peers. This is Carrie Rabadou from the University of Minnesota Extension Center for Youth Development. Please tune in again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clover Chat. Is there a topic you'd like to hear the state ambassadors talk about? Email minnesota4h-stateambiadvisors at umn.edu. Clover Chat is sponsored by the number four, the letter H, and the color green. See you next time. 4-H is a youth development program of the University of Minnesota Extension. It is available for youth in kindergarten through one year after high school. 4-Hers participate in hands-on learning experiences in STEM, leadership and civic engagement, animal science, creative arts, and much more. To learn more about Minnesota 4-H, visit z.umn.edu slash 4-H.